Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me, as always, well, he doesn't always join me, actually, uh, but oh, this time man. he is Greg Dutcher. Greg, what is going on, my friend? Dude, I'm always longing to join. That's that's the, why you said always. <laughs> always longing. That's the right. spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, <laughs> or just I'm weak, or my spirit's weak, or whatever the phrase is. Something um, like that. But I love being on, dude, and I understand it, we're starting off, it's just you and me. We don't have uh, Mr. Bartles. Yeah, yeah, we're going a little old school here. You know, Zach is, um, he's doing something um, like an elders meeting or something like oh, that at the church. come on. Dude, you've never blown me off for like an elders meeting that you forgot about before or Dude, you know that's not like even real. <laughs> He's not doing an elders meeting. Has anybody seen uh, seen Bartle's face? He doesn't even look like an elder. Um, I, I'd buy he's more like at a juniors meeting or something like that. But um, yeah, we'll see if this elders meeting is real when he uh, you know calls in. We'll we'll see now. But I yeah, I've certainly had my share of those night meetings, man. I'll, it's the hardest thing. Like the benefit of having uh, elders that are. You know, lay elders and their uh, their working jobs during the day. I mean, you can only really get them at night. Yep. Um, and it just makes it you know makes it challenging for everybody. A bunch of wives and kids are without their their husbands and dads, and uh, those meetings, you know, as everyone knows, can go quite late. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, often my favorite is when a major topic gets introduced two minutes before you thought the meeting was going to end. Right. And that's where the texting begins. Honey, it's going to be a while long. So. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I told Zach not to worry. Um, you know, love having him as a host on this thing. Um, but Greg, I think you and I can manage. We've done it once or twice before with yeah, just man. you and I. Um, Dude, so I what think- is this, 2014? <laughs> um, this is crazy. No, uh, I'm, I love it, dude. Uh, it just feels like the most comfortable. It's like putting on your favorite pair of comfortable shoes. Right? That's so right. That's just right. Slip, slip right into them and, and uh, know exactly what to do. So, yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Well, before we uh, dive right into our topic, which I'm actually I'm super excited about because, Greg, you and I teased this when we got together uh, after the summer. Uh, you had your uh, sabbatical, and it's funny because a lot of people were asking about you, uh, emailing and things like that. And I'm like, you know, honestly, I don't know a ton uh, sure. because you just you dropped off the radar, and you I know, did, man. You came back and talked to us about sabbatical and uh, real great, honest conversation, and have some really good feedback from that one when you came on and talked about that. Um, but, uh, we were like, you know what? It has been too long. We need to get together. We need to hang out. And so we spent a good four hours just hanging out. And, uh, you know, we were talking about you potentially coming on, uh, and and I'll just throw that out there. You know, we talked about the possibility of once a month, you coming on and joining and um, we're hoping that we can uh, hold you to that. And Absolutely, dude. So we are we are in September, and we are holding you to here is the once a month, and we'll we'll see what we get in October. So, Greg, you know we we talk about Mission Aware on here. We love their products. Um, I just got a new position at school, um, uh, assistant principal, which is why Zach and I actually did not record last week because I didn't even get home until close to eight o'clock. 
Man. And um, I was just like, I just texted him. I was like, sorry, dude, I just can't do it today. I'm going to get home and I'm basically going to crash and die. So um, he yeah. was like, totally understand. Uh, but I have a great spacious office and we have promoted that Romans poster like crazy. And I think I'm going to drop the cachet on it and get it for myself and hang it up in my office. So I am super excited, uh, to promote mission aware's Romans poster. I haven't decided if I want to get it in the, uh, English or the Greek. I think I'm going to do English because, uh, I actually dropped out of Greek in college because I was not a fan. So right. <laughs> I, I don't I want those bad that, memories flooding back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But dude, if you had it in Greek, you could tell everybody that you know Greek because the people you're telling might pretend that they know Greek, but they don't. And <laughs> nobody's going to know. Right, right. But English, it'd be good because you can actually read it, which is good. Right. And I um, still do remember a few like really weird like things, you know, like I kind of remember the alphabet and then. I remember the uh, the the phrase "agero," which is to hold up or uphold something like that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so you know, I do I do remember a few things to make myself sound intelligent. Um, yes, of course, dude. Of so. course. And uh, if you ever doubt, you can always drop something like, "Well, this is in the aorist tense," right? Which means uh, nobody knows. Uh, but I'm going to drop the aorist word. And- uh, my Greek is sharp, dude. I got my baklava, my uh, my <laughs> my uh, gyros or gyros and domates. Uh, so my Greek is in uh, in stellar form right now. Nice, but yeah, dude, missional wear. Um, just the, the fantastic products, man. I've told you, I've uh, they just always maintain a very very high caliber, high level, mm-hmm. um, and they're eye catching. They're scriptural. They're very very <laughs> solid. Love that they've hung with us in this partnership for so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. So go ahead, check out mission aware for all your reformed needs. Um, they've got so many different things. And then, you know, while you're there, check out, uh, the, these go to 11 page TGT 11 under collabs and check out our stuff because heck it's these go to 11. So it's just cool. Yeah, man. All right, dude. So, you know, you and I, I, you know, talked about this before you and I were, Hanging out, chilling, and all of a sudden, we came up with a topic just in our everyday conversation. (laughs) Yes. And the reality is that's – I feel like that's how 90% of this podcast worked um, when when we were doing it together was we would just be hanging out talking and it's all like all of a sudden, hey, why don't we just make an episode out of this? Yeah, man. And, um, and that is the, uh, I, I think I'm going to use this as the title, but the stupid things that pastors say from the pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think in all fairness, you know, I think we're going to talk about some really, uh, stupid things that pastors have said from the pulpit. I think some of those things have had serious, dangerous implications for, uh, the gospel and for the credibility of the word of God. Uh, to hearers, but I think some of them are just silly and fun and give us pause to think. Sure. Uh, I I don't know, Greg. I'm I'm feeling like we should maybe start off on the more serious side of things first, and then we sure. can devolve from there. We are recording on nine eleven, and yeah. I you know for anyone who is of any significant age or even not of significant age. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at the uh, 17th anniversary of nine 11 
today. It's hard to believe, man. Wow. I know. Crazy. I, I was talking about it in school today. I can remember exactly where I was, yeah. what was going on. And um, we are talking about the stupid things that pastors say. And Greg, I'm sure that at the time... Uh, you were you were pastoring uh, a church. Uh, you weren't actually pastoring a church, but you were one of the pastors of a church, Still Meadow, correct? Two thousand. Yeah, yeah. And actually, dude, believe it or not, I I had become the senior pastor ridiculously young there because I was I was a couple days shy of my thirty first birthday. Okay. Uh, and dude, am I right? You were I'm going to say like seventeen, eighteen, uh, nineteen. 19 at the time. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. So you were, you were kind of a, a young college dude yeah. and I was a younger pastor at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I was uh, with uh, Dave Shive, um, you know, who's been a, a regular guest in the past uh, mm-hmm. on this, this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it just to, to personalize it a little bit. I was actually, the church I was serving in was an e-free church mm-hmm. and, um, we, the, I, I, for, I'll never forget, for whatever reason, I got invited kind of last minute to this small pastor's conference. I mean, no more than 20, 25 pastors. Okay. Uh, they were all E-free guys, some of whom, interestingly enough, as I would find out rather uh, shockingly, uh, were ministering in Manhattan, right kind of at the epicenter of where everything would go down. Wow. And that was Monday, Monday September the 10th. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tuesday, September the 11th. It's mm-hmm. strange. The day we're recording is also a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was gorgeous weather. I was in Lebanon, Pennsylvania at a little uh, Mennonite retreat center is where this kind of informed. It was just going to be a two-day deal, I, maybe three days. I think I was going to come home on Wednesday the 12th. Um, got up there, you know, Monday afternoon the 10th. We had some icebreakers with the guys. It was a really great conference fact the one detail i remember is um the guy who led it whose name escapes me uh just was making some that night some casual conversation about ministry it was a really informal time and he said hey just out of curiosity how many of you guys here are, are calvinists um like i said 20 25 of us all e-free which varies church to church you know and i i raised my hand that that i i was and uh, I, I remember I was, I was the only one. And uh, I remember thinking, man, I'm literally the only guy, at least the only guy who self-identified. Right, right. And uh, the guy just said, okay, yeah, so Greg, that's you, huh? He goes, man, did you guys hear what happened the time uh, uh, Greg uh, Greg fell down the staircase accidentally? And uh, he said, he said, man, whoo, whoo, sure glad that's over. Uh, so he was uh, kind of, you know, taking the shot at the fatalistic uh, you know, kind of Calvinist stereotype, but it, it was funny. And I remember really looking forward to that time. It had a nice feel. So here we are Tuesday morning. I didn't have a cell phone back then, dude. I didn't yeah. get a cell phone, I think until like January, February of Oh two. Yep. Um, but a lot of guys had them at that point, you know, and, um, I remember a bunch of guys had their cell phones out on their, you know, all the tables that we were sitting around. And uh, one guy's phone started ringing uh, Tuesday morning. And then within 20 seconds, everybody who had a cell phone, they were all ringing. It was surreal mm. and, and eerie. Uh, I remember you know, a couple of us that didn't have it were looking at each other. And uh, because it was a Mennonite conference center, there was no TV. Yeah. 
no radio. Yeah. So we had heard somebody on the grounds had come in and said, apparently there's something going on in New York and a plane. And we thought it was just a small, you know, kind of private aircraft right. hit the Twin Towers or something. Like, oh, my goodness, that's awful. I'm sure some people perished. And then we started hearing more. So one of the dudes got his pickup truck, backed it right up to the window uh, the room we were meeting in, it was a beautiful day, you know, uh, and it was sunny and, and warm. Yep. And he sort of cranked up his radio and we just sat there listening, shell shocked for the next hour or so. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it left a very definitive impression on me, uh, as it did for everybody, of course. But yeah. um, and that Sunday, probably like every other pastor in the U.S., adjusted their preaching and i i still remember i think i was gonna start a series that week our fall series uh in philippians if i remember rightly and I, instead i preached on psalm 2 and i just called it where was god on tuesday morning mm. um having the sense that you know it's such a powerful psalm that exalts you know god why do the nations rage kings of the earth take their stand kind of the picture of international tumult which was clearly on everybody's minds yeah and um you know to try to emphasize that god wasn't surprised we mm-hmm. don't have all the answers that, that was sort of the angle that i i took back then yeah. but we opened up our church at the time like a lot of churches during that week people to come in and pray i gotta tell you dude literally people in our neighborhood that had never set foot in church came in to pray it was a real uh gospel opportunity for a short window i think people that weren't thinking about spiritual things, that weren't thinking about the mortality and yeah. the country's safety, were really inclined to think about things. So yeah. it was a tremendous opportunity uh, for the church. Um, but I have a feeling of what you're setting me up for, um, <laughs> there were some stupid things said too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's exactly, um, you know, where I'm, going with that because, uh, you know, pastors are just as prone to saying stupid things as lay people. I remember, uh, being in campus center at the college I was in, I was a freshman in college and I remember going to my first class, uh, nothing had happened yet, uh, and getting out of class. And all of a sudden there were all these posters up to, uh, for everybody to meet in the chapel for, uh, you know, for prayer for New York. And of course I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And so I went to the chapel, found out what was going on. And then, you know, they, they of course canceled classes for the day. And, uh, and so everybody basically ended up camping out in the campus center all day long. You know, nobody really wanted to be alone at that point. Uh, everybody just wanted to kind of be around and, you know, follow, the news and follow what was going on. Yeah. I can remember, uh, not really that day. Uh, I think enough people had enough awareness and sensitivity that during the actual day to really not see anything, say anything. But I remember in subsequent days to come, there were a couple things that, that struck me as interesting. The first was people really have no clue about their geography because I was getting so many, uh, emails and I, I, I won't say text messages because I didn't, uh, I had a cell phone, but not one right. capable of texting. Oh, sure, um, sure. But I was getting so many emails and phone calls concerned about my safety from friends and family back home. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I was just replying. I'm like, guys, I am further away from New York City, from Manhattan, than you all are in New yeah. Hampshire. Even though right, I'm in school right. in New York, I am for it. Like, I, you know, I, I am really not worried about my safety or, you know, an attack out here in the middle of nowhere. So, um, you know, so that was the first thing that I really noticed and struck me. Um, and has stuck with me all these years. Yeah. The second thing is all of the comments that started coming from people, all the commentary yeah. that started coming from people, uh, both good and bad. Yeah. And I set this up to, uh, because we're, we're really going to talk about this and I think we're really going to hammer on some people. I think rightly so. I think yeah. people who made comments about this, spoke out of turn in what they were saying. And yeah. we'll talk about that. But um, Elise Fitzpatrick, I was listening to her podcast, Front Ports with the Fitzes. Yeah. And recently I was listening to one of the podcasts where she was talking with a friend of hers who, who had just experienced some significant uh, tragedy in her life. And she had asked Elise, you know, what, what does God want me to learn from this? Or what does God want me to get from this? And Elise said, you know, I'm so sick and tired of people trying to spin the devastation of sin into something that God wants them to learn or God has some purpose outside of his will being fulfilled in it. You know? Um, and, and to me, that just struck me as so profound that, you know, our world is so messed up because of sin that it would cause, sin would cause, uh, two, well, multiple people to hijack planes and run them into buildings. Um, you know, and, and we got a taste of that terrorism and, um, I think for a short period of time, it woke us up to things that are going on around the world. Yeah. Um, but that just, that stuck with me. Uh, Elisa's comments uh, just have really stuck with me and resonated with me. And so, um, you know, Greg, I want you to go first and talk about some of the things that you had heard. Uh, because you oh, yeah, probably sure. would have been more aware from a pastoral standpoint what other pastors were saying, where I had more the voice of, you know, classmates and teachers and things like that. Sure, sure. I mean, I would say the, the privilege I had uh, in my immediate pastoral circle, you know, with a, a guy like Dave Shive, who's just mm-hmm. very, you know, grounded and, yeah. and solid. Um, I Back then, I was a little different, Nathan. I did go a little more patriotic than uh, I would today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, all the caveats, it's been a while since we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. I love my country. I love the freedoms we have here. Um, that day I did something that this doesn't quite fall into the stupid category that I put where I am now spiritually. I wish I hadn't. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a little weird because I didn't even think it was going to be controversial, but I ended the service with God bless America, mm. um, which I now wouldn't do. And I know that's very debatable. That's a hot topic. It always is. Um, I'm not trying to make that the main point of this podcast, but that was the one thing I did then that I wouldn't do now outside of that. Uh, I felt that I got good, just, just good measured responses that we want to 
highlight the sovereignty of God. We want to highlight the opportunity to minister to people that are hurting, yep. uh, that are in pain. Uh, yes, we, we can kind of look at what is the role of the government, uh, Romans 13, and protecting the citizenry and and all that. And, you know, because, hey, like everybody, I was ticked off. Uh, sure. I was so angry when I heard all these stories of, um, of uh, you know, you, these phone calls of people leaving messages on voicemails and answer machines. I love you. Goodbye. I don't think I'm going to make, you know, probably like, you know, I would watch these things and just cry and mm-hmm. cry and just, you know, glued to the TV for weeks after 9-11. Yeah. Uh, always waiting for new information, et cetera. And, and what, one of my interests was, of course, um, when are we going to counter-strike? Uh, right. And I, I felt that, you know, I think wasn't Toby Keith's song born e- e- out of that period? That was the, uh, oh, uh, oh, Uncle yeah. Sam yeah, yeah, put yeah. your name at the top of his list. Yeah. And the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. And yep. I was, I was kind of there. I was bandwagging uh, it. And again, I'm not questioning patriotism for one's country. But that's the one thing I would do differently now. I would not have today brought in the American experiment. I would have tried to do more the shared. Yeah, because, yes, God is the God of America. He's the God of the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I'd been a little more mindful of um, the engagement of the Muslim world for evangelism, etc. Right. Um, I think as a younger man in my early 30s, I got a little separatistic and maybe a little nationalistic. So I want to... I want to put myself out there first, but the thing that I remember, Nathan, and you might help me with this, mm-hmm. forgive me, listeners, for not researching this. It was Falwell or Robertson or both. I want to say both. I think so, and they've said, we could certainly say this is the case, who kind of went to your point about Elise Fitzpatrick's uh, podcast, Nathan, mm-hmm. who to me made the very dangerous mistake of interpreting the reasons for these tragic events. Yes. And I remember, uh, you know, what do we expect in light of, keep in mind, gay marriage wasn't legal then, but it was certainly a hot topic mm-hmm. of conversation. You know, the gay rights movement was, was in full swing. Yep. Um, issues of gender, which are now, it's hard to believe just in 17 years, how much more front and center they are even than they were back then. Yeah. But Abortion the ACL, still on the rise at that point, even yes, you know, yes. building. And and the, those guys went into the classic, this is what happens to a nation that, you know, turns its back on God, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, to me was a very stupid um Stupid response. Yeah. Uh, to tie the uniqueness of that tragedy to just ongoing, and in one sense, it's like, okay, so what? What does that mean? That the 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 sin was sort of piling up, mm-hmm. and and it got to a boiling point. Um, well, there hasn't been an attack like that since, right? Of that nature. So does that mean that we're in a better place now? Um, or that God kind of reset the clock of his wrath to build up. It's a, it's a very bizarre thing. And to me, the, the dumbest thing that happened there is uh, Falwell, Robertson, uh, and preachers of that ilk were assigning meaning 
that to me would be the unique sphere of maybe the Old Testament prophet right. who thus saith the Lord. Right. However the Lord communicated to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they kind of took that mantle, and I would always say, yeah, where did they get that? Um, and, and I think um, this is milder, much milder. I don't mean to put this in the same category. The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Nathan, is I remember watching John MacArthur on Larry King in the months, maybe even a year after 9-11. Mm-hmm. He used to be a regular on Larry King's show. And uh, to his credit, I have to say, I heard MacArthur multiple times um, uh, share the gospel very clearly, boldly, without hesitation. So my hat's off to him for that courage and that clarity of conviction. Uh, The one thing he said was sort of in the opposite direction, though. Mm. I remember watching it one night, and he had a rabbi on, and they they were talking about human suffering and 9-11. And MacArthur, in many ways, went the total opposite direction and said, look, um, X amount of people die in America per day. 9-11 was really sort of like having just one extra day that year, like it was a leap year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what struck me about that was maybe a little insensitivity. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a sense in which, wow, I just wondered if any, you know, family members, uh, uh, friends, uh, were watching that and thinking, oh, that sounds kind of strange. It was just like having an extra day that year. Right. Well, we don't normally have a day in a year where there's a mass casualty of civilians right. uh, in, in, in the U.S. That, that's, you know, what, what, wasn't it almost 3,000 people? I think yeah. it's 2,900. 2, um, but the, the, that's a minor thing. I did want to mention it because I'm trying to put myself in there too. Right. But the, uh, yeah, the, oh, this is because we've got gays and lesbians and abortions, um, to me, is, is irresponsible. Yeah. Um, one, uh, we're, we're, we're making the mission field an enemy, mm-hmm. and, and I think stoking the potential hatred of people that we're called to love and serve and bless um, and embrace in the gospel Um it was a uh, unfortunate thing, and I think it did a lot of damage. I can say for a fact my mother, mm-hmm. uh, who was not a believer, was extremely offended by that. And to her credit, um, you know, I, I, I think she had a case. Yeah, uh, It just felt sort of uh, dismissive, uh, insensitive, and just makes Christians look kind of stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I think one of the issues we run into is, and this is from someone I, I still talk with Christians when they try to assign deeper meaning to things other than we, we just, we live in a fallen and broken world. You know, I mean, I've talked with people who, you know, try to diagnose sickness and, you know, try to diagnose it in light of your personal sin and things like that. And I want to be careful here because I, I do believe sin has a, an effect and can have an effect on our physical health. You know, if you look at people, you know, with, um, with, uh, stress, if you look at people who are, trying to bury themselves under mountains of lies and trying to juggle those things. And, you know, 
those things can take a toll on the body and really, you know, bring a person down. And so I don't want to Mm -hmm. mitigate those things. But my question to those people is all is always, how do you know that that's God's intent in this? Yeah. How do you know that that's that's what God intended for this? Um, I mean, are you telling me that God literally spoke to you? And, and I'm not talking like that, that still small, quiet voice, like, you know, he spoke to Elijah. I mean, I, you know, did he verbally communicate like we're communicating now? Yeah. You know, Greg, these are the things that I have proclaimed. You know, because right, right. This me, is the reason that yeah, this happened. Because yeah. to me, anytime you try to assign a meaning to God and his actions, there better be some clear voice that's coming to you and no absolutely no shadow of a doubt. I mean, your your argument has to be airtight. Oh, sure. um in that, you know, and yeah. And I, th- that's where I see that those people, um, failed, you know, yeah. and, and I would oh, say even, yeah. you know, even, uh, even John MacArthur, you know, in his response to a certain extent would have failed because again, on the other side, you don't know that this isn't God's judgment, you know? Oh, uh, oh absolutely. I think that that's a key point, dude. It, we need to speak in the, we don't know. There's mystery. Right. Um, here's what we do know, right. you know, in the, the, the basic, but fallen world sin, yeah. uh, rain falls on the righteous, the unrighteous. I mean, there's things there that ultimately I think to actually, I think those things are to unite us, yeah. um, in a common sense of, boy, we're all in peril. You know, I think of that, I think it's in Luke 13 listener could correct me on that. Um, where Jesus uh, responds to being told about the, uh, well, actually, I think he references it. I think it's the Tower of Siloam Mm -hmm. that fell and killed, I can't remember, in that sort of X number of people, but kind of a mass casualty, and there must have been some incident um, within Jesus' lifetime that was known. It was almost a, the way we would speak of 9-11 today, it's, it's an incidental reference to a tragedy. And they want to know why it happened. And all Jesus said was, unless you repent, Mm -hmm. you will likewise perish. Um, Which was kind of a way of saying, hey, the reasons he wasn't really giving. Um, We live in a fallen world. What he is saying is that we're all going to face judgment. Mm -hmm. And unless we repent, unless we turn to him in faith, we're going to be judged ourselves. And that to me, that's the, I mean, if you want to get all out bold evangelistic as we should, and Jesus did there, we're, wow, those poor people yeah. that, I mean, Nathan, sometimes I, it's funny you, uh, this, uh, we're talking about this tonight because I woke up this morning, not even thinking about nine 11 because mm. it's been 17 years and, we're at a point now where, let's be honest, it'll be the fives and the tens yeah. that probably get a little more press. I mean, the first year or two, I remember, was a really, really big deal. Uh, you know, uh, naturally, understandably, uh, countries really reeling and healing from the event. Yeah. But I was watching some things this morning. I, w- I found a, uh, I don't know if it was CNN or uh, uh, it, it was on YouTube, but it was some news channels. Uh, sort of remembering 9-11, and I watched it. It was about seven or eight minutes, 
uh, and it was tastefully done, but they did show uh, in a brief clip, you know, some of those bodies falling, jumping from buildings. And you watch that from, and you're just speechless. Yeah. um, Because obviously the conditions inside that building were so beyond thinkable. Yeah. That people were choosing that, um, which is just chilling to me. So you're kind of watching it and you have this sense of, wow, what a horrendous tragedy. And to just use that as an opportunity in discussions to say, you know, I think a, 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 something we can say with certainty is life is brief. Yeah. None of those dear people expected anything except to have a normal work day on a beautiful early autumn day, yep. late summer day, and uh, you know, get through it, maybe get through, watch some TV that night, have dinner, uh, go to work the next day, make it to the weekend, make it Christmas, you know, and, and it, um, it all ended that day. And I just think, you know, when we hear Jesus say, unless you repent, we will likewise perish, um, yeah. not in the, the same method, but um, that's a sober thought. And there's so much opportunity uh, to share the gospel and those signs that to start playing prophet games yeah uh, well the reason this happened is this and i love your reference to elise's podcast because i think we've talked about this before there's a sanitized version of this that's well intended mm-hmm. we hear of the death of someone prematurely you know a young teenager in a car accident young wife that you know had cancer or was murdered some un- unthinkable tragedy right and often what do well-meaning christians say well gonna use that to bring somebody to faith in christ yeah um and he very well may we don't know that mm-hmm. we don't know that's the reason unless god you're right is somehow speaking that to the person i've always thought it's insensitive because i actually had a person tell me years ago and never forgot this they said mm-hmm. greg people told me when i lost my son and this this man lost his son at a very young age that, uh, you know, God's going to use this to bring so many people to Christ. And he said he smiled, he nodded, he played the church game, and he was just embittered thinking uh, how many people come to Christ without the death of a small child. Right. And God doesn't need the death of a small child to bring somebody to Christ. Right. He was being very honest about his pain and yeah. how that that kind of casual probably well-intended, but almost cliche, well, this is what the Lord's going to do. I, would say, I don't know why the Lord took your child. Right. Um, I don't. I know that he gives you the freedom to cry and agonize, question, um, scream to the heavens. I know he loves you fiercely. I know that, um, you know, we do live in a fallen world and these things happen, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to presume to know in God's master plan Mm-hmm. And I think we we do nobody a service by explaining it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the biblical version of mansplaining, really. You know where. Yeah. Yeah. It's you true. know. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I find it interesting because I, you know, it's it fascinates me that we feel like we have to try and justify God's actions to people, where yes. God doesn't even feel like He needs to justify His actions no. to us. Yeah. You yeah, know, Greg, which comes out pretty clearly in Job, I right. would say, right? <laughs> right. Like, uh, 
the, the, uh, people say, well, Job gives the answer. And well, it really doesn't. It just gives the questions. Where yeah. were you? Yeah. Where were you? Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, it's this, it's this overwhelming. I love, I love those passages because it's this overwhelming, you know, rhetorical set of questions. You know, it's like the, the answer is I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know? <laughs> Um, and he right. just throws those out there, you know, and we've, we've talked so many times, you know, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, the secret things of God, yeah. you know, the, the things that only he holds and doesn't reveal to us. And if you look at the grand scheme of history and knowledge, if you look at the knowledge that we have built ourselves selves up to, you know, I always, I always find it interesting when I talk with people who, uh, don't know Christ and how they want to say, you know, science has proved everything. And I always scratch my head and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, like 70 years ago, we didn't know as much about the cell as we know now. Well, are are sure. you telling me that that we have found everything there is to know about everything else? Of course not. That's ludicrous. And so for us as believers, if we think about an infinite God who has infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom – and think about that concept, infinite, never ending. Um, and, and think about how long we've been in existence, um, on earth and then how long we have, um, you know, not just been in existence on earth, but how long, you know, we personally have been alive. It, there is just no, you know, there's no comparison. Yeah, you know, God, yeah, absolutely, you know, and so his ways are not our ways. And to, to try to presume that we can explain them is just, it's ridiculous. You know, we, oh, yeah, yeah, we teach well, what and the Bible teaches. Think about it. Yeah. And we've uh, referenced that. I don't know. It might've been Alistair Bake, somebody I heard years ago. I've, all, I've never forgotten it. Mm-hmm. That probably the best thing Job's friends did yeah. is the first seven days where they sat with him and didn't speak. Yeah. All the problems started when they they started talking. Because yep. what did they do? They were offering the explanation. Right. Uh, and they all had different ones, and some of them overlapped. And it's a very hard book to read because some of it sounds pretty good. Like, oh, but, but you have to sort of wait to the end where where God rebukes the folly. Right. Um of that council and you think, Oh, okay. So I'm supposed to read that in light of God's verdict at the end. And you're right. The answer was they didn't know and they shouldn't have spoken what they didn't know. Right. And I, I always find that fascinating because not only were they wrong, but they were so wrong that Job had to offer sacrifices on yes. behalf of them for their forgiveness. I mean, that's, you know, if you think about in later, in later time periods, you know, Job is, is thought to be one of the oldest books written. It gives us, you know, such a glimpse into an ancient world, probably, sure. you know, in between Adam and Abraham time frame. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, Job is essentially fulfilling the role that the priests fulfilled for the nation of Israel. Right. Exactly. You know, he's offering exactly. an atonement for their sins. Right. Um, right. Yeah. That's a, that ending is powerful. Um, you know, and, um, you know, we're not to think, I, I've heard it sometimes preached, and it all worked out in the end, and I'm like, no, it doesn't work yeah. out when, when you get new kids. Right. Like, oh, I don't think about the old kids anymore. Right. Um, yes, it's a sign of God's continued grace and blessing, 
in his life. But I've heard that. That might fall into another dumb thing. I've heard some sermons. Where, and at the end, he got a whole bunch of new kids. Right. Well, isn't that great? His his um, you know, his 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 three cars all went off the cliff, and now he's got five brand new cars. Right, uh, you know, it's like that's a little bit different when you're talking about your children. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll I'll throw that in the mix too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think I think this is kind of a nice point to um, transition. Um, hold on one second here. Give me one minute. One. So yeah, you know, transitioning. Uh, this this is a good segment where we can transition into maybe some of the lighter things that pastors will sometimes say. And really, I think what brought this up, Greg, was you and I were talking. I had uh, been back a couple months from New Hampshire. I had uh, preached when I was up there at my home church. And you and I were just talking about speaking styles and some of the things that we say that are stupid. And one of the things that came <laughs> up that you were like, yeah, I I didn't really notice it until – I think you said until Lisa pointed it out to you. Yeah. And that was – now let me be honest with you for a second. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Implication yes. being everything I've said up until this point in the sermon has been a lie to you. And now exactly, sudden, exactly. I'm going to tell yeah. you the truth. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, guys, this is, uh, and I say guys because Zach has joined us. This is going to be an interesting mix of like choppiness stuff coming in. So, but it's good Zach because Bartles we have is here. and, and uh, Bartles on here and we are so excited. Um, so Greg, uh, we were basically kind of wrapping up with some of the serious stuff we were talking about and we were going into oh, I'm glad more. I missed the serious <laughs> yeah be glad brother indeed <laughs> um so we were uh just talking about uh some of the the you know kind of stupid stuff that we say that pastors say that they're not really thinking about the example i gave was uh you know and greg i think it was lisa who brought this up to you uh you know okay so you're preaching and all of a sudden you're like, okay, guys, can I be serious with you for a minute? Or can I be honest with you for a minute? The implication that, uh, up until this point, I've been lying to you. And so now I've been lying through my teeth, but but now for 30 seconds in the 35 minute sermon, I'm going to speak to you something of true substance. Um, yes, yes. I was saying, dude, I think that that is a, uh, look, in one sense, Nathan, you made the great point. All people are really saying is, hey, I want to they're, they're working up almost the, the nerve to say something blunt or direct or hard. And, you know, that's that's fine. But on another sense, if you get in the habit of saying that all the time, you could construe, you know, hey, uh, are you only telling me the truth when you preface it by saying I'm going to tell you the, the truth now? Um, you know, it's one of those things. But my stupid thing was here I'm preaching a month or so ago and I told that example uh, and I can't remember what I was illustrating, but I said, somebody years ago said to me, Hey, Greg, I noticed you, you'll say sometimes in a meeting, uh, like the phony elders meeting that Zach uh, just came from, but we know he was playing. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, elders meeting Fortnite, I same, you know, one of the same, but I, um, <laughs> so I actually was playing cribbage on my Palm Pilot during the elders meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, to get cribbage and Palm Pilot the same thing is just great. Um, I'm 80. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterward, you went out and played some shuffleboard. But I, um, 
uh, I, you know, here I'm maybe at an elders meeting, maybe I'm in a counseling setting, and I say, hey, look, I just want to be honest with you. Um, and so I told that story in a sermon, and then I, I remember about 10 minutes later in the sermon, I heard some people chuckling, I, and I didn't know why. I kind of thought, something happened behind me on the stage, or you know, did I, you know, you know, is my fly down, did something happen? <laughs> and then um, I didn't acknowledge it. Feeling, isn't it, that your- <laughs> you don't well, know what they're laughing at. Yeah, well, it was it was it's awful, you know. You start getting really self conscious, and then um, a couple people came up to me in the back afterwards and said, "Hey, uh, Greg, did you know? You, you, did did you even catch what you did?" And I said, "No." That at some point later in the sermon, when I was making an application, I said, "Hey, look, and I'm going to be honest with you." <laughs> it was just. <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, I think some people thought I did it on purpose, but then I think they realized when I didn't react, like, oh, no, he's just still using that uh, that habit that he just denounced earlier. So uh, that's a, a small, uh, small, stupid thing. Um, so I uh, sorry, guys, my little my little nine year old came came down and said hi to me. I'll be right up, <laughs> Bella. I'm I'm Mr. Mom in it. Uh, this week, I should my- say it's 10 p.m. and you're nine year old. Oh, yes, I would like to, yes, yeah, stress that too. Uh, now, her school starts a little later. See how I justify? Uh, yeah, 2 p.m. <laughs> no. Um, she is up way too late, uh, but Lisa is at her mother's helping her. She is uh, recovering from a surgery, so uh, I've been kind of mom, Mr. Mom in it or Mr. Dadding it, whatever it is. And, uh, we don't want to assume your that. gender, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm, I'm clearly doing a stand-up job. Um, <laughs> but uh, I understand hey, mom doesn't listen to this uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course not. Are you kidding me? I mean, dude, I mean, if she's not going to listen to me preach, I mean, she's certainly not going to listen to this. But, um, hey, and, and of that, if I can get one more in before I turn it over to the ever capable Mr. Bartles to close this out. I'm glad we had this little baton toss here, Zach. But um, Zach might have a lot to say about this. I don't think we've ever talked about it. Um, Maybe the stupid stuff pastors say, the other thing could be pastors that feel the need to get really open about their romantic sex life. Um, With their smoking hot wife? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) With their Smoking hot wife is Will Ferrell's race car <laughs> uh, character would say, and I, um, you know, that's the other thing that's like, oh, just so cringeworthy. Like I really, I really don't want to know any pastor's uh, sex life. I don't really want to know. Hey, uh, Tuesday night, man, it was fireworks up there, and uh, I just, you know, I don't, I don't need to know. Don't want to know. I don't think anybody wants to know about me or anybody else. Um, so for all of the embracing of the song of Solomon and all that stuff, uh, in, in, you know, modern preaching, I, I, that's just a, a little pet peeve I have. I'm like, I really, I really don't want to know about anybody else's sex life, <laughs> let alone the pastor that's teaching me on a Sunday morning. So, uh, now I feel bad, Nathan, because I've just taken away Zach's next sermon series <laughs> in, in saying that I'm, Am I right, it's Jack? Fireworks, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's got the Katy Perry soundtrack to kind of back up the, you know, the, the whole homiletical approach there. It's just uh, awkward. But for any pastors or aspiring pastors that are listening, 
please, anybody that's convinced you it's wise to be that open and that vulnerable in that setting, I uh, uh, they're wrong. Um, so just just a little. Have you ever heard Zach that in any preaching context where a guy's been a little more open than he should, perhaps? Um, I, I mean, I've, I've heard the, uh, yeah, I have. I remember when I was in, in junior high, this, this young, uh, hotshot speaker that was making the rounds to all the like yeah. youth jamborees. Um, yeah. he would always give the same opener and it was a funny story that involved, uh, they heard a sound and, and he went down with a shotgun and then the light turned on. He was naked. His neighbor saw him. It was a funny story, but it always started with like, my wife nudges me and says, hey, wake up at 2 a.m. And I'm a married man, and I'm thinking it's happy time. Oh. And I remember, like, everybody, like, kind of, even, like, the like boys of the teenage variety, you'd think would laugh, just kind of cringing, like, eh, no, please no. Yeah. No, no, please, please don't. Please don't do that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely a happy time. I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to remember that. Um yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure how accurate that is for, you know, most wives that just spontaneously wake up at the two in the morning. It's probably to tell you to stop snoring uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or hogging the pillow or the covers or something. That's that's the way it uh, normally works. So, yeah, that that oversharing in that area, you know, I always think, oh, come on, man, that's that's not really doing. I just can't believe that's doing a whole lot to advance the gospel and. Uh, you know, lead the church uh, down the path it's intended to go. So that's one other thing I'd throw out there, Nathan. Nice. All right, dude, thanks for uh, coming on and joining us. We'll catch you later, man. Dude, I love it. I feel like, Zach, we proved once again that we are not the same person. Exactly. Uh, or we've proved that we are. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. It was weird. I do I do want to say before I left, but when I'm waiting for the Skype call to merge, which is always the most exhilarating part of a podcast, I'm... Um, <laughs> And it's weird. I see ZB, ZB, ZB on there, and I keep trying to click it. Nothing's opening, and I'm thinking, am I doing something wrong and all this? And then it was weird. Uh, I noticed that a warning kept popping up when I would click the Zach Bartles little icon there. And it, what the, Let me read what it says here. It says, uh, oh, yeah, double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. <laughs> so, um, you know, Zach, do with that what you will. You might want to contact Skype. Contact James freaking King. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said James White. (laughs) I meant James King. James White, James King. Oh, and all these, all these, uh, these hardcore, you know, guys named James. It's hard to keep up with. Um, I believe James White has debated James King. Now that I think yeah, about it, I think that's right. Or he's debated somebody very similar. That's uh, <laughs> maybe a Steve, somebody or other. But um, anyway, guys, always a pleasure. Zach, so good we could cross pa- uh, past briefly, and I'll let you guys close it out. Nice man. All right, have to get that kid in bed. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to do it right now. Right now. You guys have a good night. All right, you later, too, man. man. See you guys, uh, dude. So. So Zach, uh, you know, share with us. Uh, you know, we got we got some time still. I mean, you're just joining us, so we don't want to cut you short. Um, what are some stories you have of you know some some stupid things you've said behind the pulpit, phrases that you might have that you look back and it's like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't believe so I. So this say has got to be me. 
Okay. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're the, you know, Greg's left, so we heard all the stupid things he said. You're going to have to go back and listen to that. Um, See, so. when you texted me, it was like stupid things pastors say, and I was like, oh, that's fun. Well, but if can, it's stupid things I say, it's not as fun. <laughs> you, can, you could take it either way. I mean, you know, you could just be like, I know some pastors who say this, and, you know, just play it off like it's someone else. Well, I'll tell you what, I, not that long ago, I hadn't fully prepared, I, you know, you know how, uh, I'm sure it's the same thing with a lesson plan if you're, if you're teaching something new, although, I mean, I, I assume that teachers just like get to the point where they're verbatim just yeah. citing these lessons year after year, but, uh, you know, you, you don't take the time to go over the material, you just prepare it, lay it down and go, all right, it looks good. Yeah. Um, and I was up there at the pulpit maybe six months ago or so. And my, it's, at one point I started talking, I think it was my, my sermon intro. I always try to do something kind of funny or shocking or not shocking in a bad way, but like right. I was always told hook, yeah. hook them in. What was the old thing? It was hook, look, book, took, I don't know. Something like um, Cook. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and let me suss it out. Hook, you grab them in, book, you know, read the text, look, you do the observation, uh, something else for interpretation. Took is you take away, and then cook is like get them ready for next time, wanting to come back. I don't know, but uh, so so in my in my intro, I was talking about how I always hated it when people would talk to their kids all these fake made up like baby words. Yeah, and uh, and I said, yeah, I I I don't understand these people talking to their kids talking about babas and bebas and boobies, and all of a sudden this sweet little old lady in the front row just starts laughing and I realized I just said boobies and so I start laughing let, let me tell you one from a guy my, my predecessor this this story he actually told me at, at my church he had a, a sermon called uh, you are a VIP in God's eyes uh-huh. VIP if you're not familiar is a colloquial term standing for a very important person um, I, I don't know what the text was or if it was sound or what um, but I do know that throughout he kept referring to people's, uh, to his listeners, V.I. penis. Um, you know, you can't deny your V.I. penis in God's eyes. And my, my uh, pianist was just, which is another I guess, word similar, was just dying, but she was behind him so he couldn't see her. And uh, yeah, apparently not many people caught on to that right as it was happening, but uh, that, that went down. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you one thing, too. Another one that, that every young preacher does, trying to be like the, you know, Tony Campolo, like, hard-edged, like, shock them into, you know, uh, action or something. Yeah. There was a, a Tony Campolo back when he was Orthodox. Um, I, I always really liked him because he's, he's the only living famous guy for my denomination now. Yep. Um, Back in the day, we had you know like John Rockefeller and stuff, but but they're all dead. Um, Pillsbury, Colgate, all those guys were uh, were, were American Baptists. Now he's got Tony Campolo, and he and he did this thing. It was at one of those major um, like music Christian music festivals slash preaching jamboree, you know. And uh, he he said like uh, hundreds of thousands of people in. And, you know, the, the 10 miles around where you live are dying and going to hell, and you don't give a bleep, and he, like, and he dropped, like, a, you know, PG curse word. Right. And, uh, and, then he, and then he paused for effect and said, like, 
And, and what's sad is that you care more about the fact that I just used that word than you do that those people are dying and going to hell. And, and honestly, I think that's a pretty, when used in great, great um, uh, reserve, uh, you know, with, with very, very rarely and maybe only one time, you know, right. that, that kind of tactic could work in the right setting. Right. But I know a lot of young guys who think, you know, and I, I think I did that at least once or twice in preaching to, uh, I never drive, you know, said the S word, but, you know, I'd right. say like, you know, don't give a damn. And, yeah. and when I was trying to make sure everyone heard what I was saying, yeah. looking back at that now, eh, no, that was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the kind of, you're trying to push the envelope when you're, when you're younger. Right. Um, I used to keep a, when I was, I go through, I go through every week and I kind of low key edit my, um, messages. If I, pause for a really long time or I, I read the wrong word but I'm reading scripture and then I reread this I go oh oops I mean I'll just take out the mistake you know I just clip things out yeah and I used to keep a uh, I wish I still had it maybe I do if I do I'll send it to you okay. um it was like a I don't know gag reel of things that I had accidentally said <laughs> and my favorite was I started to say the angel angel Gabriel but I said the gay the gay and then I caught myself and said, Angel Gabriel. So that we do it. I was saying, the gay Angel Gabriel. Um, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You ever hear the guy, um, there's, a clip on, there's a clip on YouTube. He meant to say, now last week we talked about how, how, how Lot pinched his, pinched his tents towards Sodom. Have you heard this one? But he accidentally <laughs> Because he had this like preacher intensity going, and then he like lost it, and he kept trying to like recover it, and he couldn't. And, yeah, that was, it was pretty just funny. A lost cause at that point. Yeah, I mean, at some point you got to just admit it, it's over. Let's just kind of chuckle together, and then <laughs> you know, that even this laughter is a gift of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when you're trying to really get something across, and some dumb thing, you know, steals your. Uh, like a bat flying around in the sanctuary yeah. makes it to people's attention. Already, you know, divided is now not on you at all. Right, right. I, I would say, too, that, you know, every every preacher has their annoying go-to um word. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I just used um. But uh, preachers don't like um. Uh, because it, it makes you sound like you don't know what you're talking about. Right. So, you know, like Charles Stanley... Listen, now listen, now listen. You know, I don't know if you watch him. I, I love Charles Stanley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, as soon as I realized he was doing that because he didn't know what to say, it was like glass breaking, man. And I now I can't not hear it. Yeah. Uh, listen, because uh, he doesn't just do it when he's like in the midst of a strong point. He just does it as like a, a tick. Right. And then, and then Matt Chandler, I noticed, is more, it's the same thing, but, but like ocular. You know, he says, look at me. Look at me. He's always saying, look at me. Um, and I don't know if he really is seeing people like looking at their phones or what, but he's always demanding, look at me. Right. <laughs> uh, what, what's Greg's thing when he's preaching? Uh, I think he mentioned, he mentioned it. That, that really, that's kind of his, um, his go-to. And I, look, I just said, um, uh, that's his go-to is now 
Can I can I be honest with you for a minute? Okay. Okay. Uh, that's that's kind of his go to is he'll he'll be on a string of a point and then he'll be kind of he'll be wrapping up that point a little bit and then it's like he slips that in there. Now, can I be honest with you for a minute? <laughs> I, I jump around. I try. I because I, again, I listen to myself preach every week, and I listen for my tick. Yeah, and so I just go through them. Except that I've noticed maybe for a couple of years, I'll say, and we see, and point at my Bible, and and I I think I've determined that it's not worth moving on to another one because if when I kind of lose my train of thought, I point back at the Bible and say, this is what we see in the text right. and kind of restate that. I'm not going to go wrong. Right. Whereas there have been times when I have like, I, I, how do I get back out of this sentence? And when I listen to it later, I'm like, the thing I said either didn't make sense or isn't true. And that's a problem. Right. But I, I mean, I've gone through where I say guys, mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. And I'm talking to like my congregation. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, or, or, or okay, or right, both of those. Like, like yep. I'll say something emphatic, you know, and, and propositional truth, and then say, okay, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not checking with you if it's okay. I gotta, I gotta snuff that out, man. Right. Uh, I'm telling you, so I don't care if you think it's okay. It's what the Bible says. Um, but yeah, the, those kind of things can can lead us to say uh, stuff that's uh, you know, you know, more wrapped around trying to get the words out smoothly than, you know, really conveying the, the truth that we have determined to convey. Right. Um, I, I don't know what we're, what we're, everyone listening has already heard them, but real quick, like five seconds, rattle off what Greg's other ones were. Just curious. Um, so that was, I, that, those are his, that's his biggest one. I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, talk for an hour sermon. about well, no, we we didn't. We we started on a more serious note. Like I said, we started on a more serious note because we kind of we started acknowledging. Yeah, I'll just recap the episode for you. Um, <laughs> we started talking about nine uh, eleven and worked into you know some of the stupid things that we were hearing pastors say at that time. And then we we actually we spent a good bit of time talking about nine eleven. It was probably only um, the the past. Uh, 10 minutes before you jumped on that we were edging into that. Actually, it might not have even been 10 minutes that we were kind of jumping into uh, the conversation that we are currently having now, uh, transitioned out of that, and and, kind of Greg had a good transition point where he talked about Job's friends coming to him and, you know, the the stupid things that they were saying to him and uh, we were able to transition into where we are now. So we actually spent a lot of time kind of talking about this day and a little bit more serious. So you jumped in on the uh, the lighter side of the conversation. But- I was not yet preaching every week when, when that happened, and I don't know what I would have said. We were, we were about to head off on a uh, six-day backpacking trip, my wife and I mm-hmm. and um, my sister and brother-in-law and my mom and dad. And uh, my, my dad said, we, we probably shouldn't go. And I said, why not? Uh, we totally should go and get away from this 24-hour news cycle and, you know, go enjoy each other's company and God's creation. So we just, that Sunday, I was way up in the Upper Peninsula by Pictured Rocks, which is just such a perfect place. Nice. And then uh, when we came back, we didn't know if there would have been more attacks or what. Because there were no smartphones then, you know. And oh, yeah. There, there were no towers up there anyway. 
Right. So yeah, I just took some time away. Yeah, it, it was. A, it, I heard today that a quarter of Americans are too young to remember uh, the, that day, and that's just nuts. It seems to me like it was five years ago. I know. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, Greg and I were talking about is just where we were. And uh, today, I wanted to uh, say something in my building. Now, I teach, or, or not teach, but I oversee. The school building I'm in is third through fifth graders. And I didn't want to get heavier, you know, real heavy or deep into it or anything like that, but I did want to make mention of it. And so at lunchtime, I was going to say something, but ended up getting caught up in a conversation with uh, a couple of my teachers, which was worthwhile and everything. Uh, but I came down to the. Um, came down to the cafeteria and they were already dismissing to get to their classes. So I think I'm going to just do that tomorrow and just say, guys, I just, you know, want to remind you of what yesterday was and, you know, give you an opportunity, you know, to just think and reflect and, you know, remember if you've been taught anything about it, you know, and just do a brief lesson. Because one of the things that I told the teachers at lunch, because they looked at me when I said I wanted to say something, I said, but, but we were taught all growing up. And I can't remember a point in time where we weren't taught about, let's say, Pearl Harbor, you know, in the mm-hmm. attack on Pearl Harbor. Why is it that now all of a sudden we're not talking about this day? Why are we not talking about 9-11? Why are we allowing our students to not know about it, to forget about it, or uh, forget about it? They wouldn't have been around it, but why are we allowing it to slip from history it was an important piece of history in the United States, and I think we do need to talk to them about it. I think we, they need to be informed about it. I think as they're making trips up to New York, they need to understand what those two footprints are, what they represent. They go into you know the 9-11 Memorial Museum. They, they understand what they're seeing and looking at. Um, so you know, to me, that's that's always been an important part of being a teacher. I remember – when I was teaching every day on September 11th, I would make some sort of mention of it, and I would talk about where I was. I would talk about those things to my students so that they would know, so that they would understand there is a personal connection. Um, do you have a feeling like people are almost to a certain extent – I mean I hate to say this, but like bored with this or – you know. Is there a reason why people don't really want to talk about it and bring it up? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. In the circles I travel, I, I don't feel like people are reticent to bring it up, or, or you know, people are always posting about stuff on in my feed and mm-hmm. and at my church. If if uh, the last two years and the last three, I think nine eleven was on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and you know we prayed for our country and the, the families of the victims and the people who were still suffering and, and, and that sort of thing. I, I think that uh, it, it's, there's always going to be a, a major disconnect, you know, between, cause I remember as a, as a young person, uh, I mean, now that I'm at the end of my life, um, the, <laughs> the older generation, you know, being really upset that we didn't know enough about D-Day and Pearl Harbor and, mm. you know, that, 
you know, I don't remember when Kennedy got shot because I wasn't alive. You know, like right. it, it always seems like, even though we know with our minds that it's not a lack of respect, it's just a lack of of experience. Right. We kind of resent them for not, you know, having the same sense of uh, of solemnity uh, and reverence about something that they just couldn't have. You know, the right. younger generation they they, they should. I, I think when it was a good move at the, at the time to say for now, we're going to stop showing you these moving pictures in a loop over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I understand certain networks were like, we're never going to show these again. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I watched the, I watched the planes going to the, the towers every year on nine 11 mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, the picture of the guy jumping to his death. Cause it was, right. a, you know, we just, all this stuff, just to remember this stuff is out there still. These people are out there still, and this just can happen anywhere, and it did happen. Um, man, that's a lot of people to perish at yeah. one time. Um, yeah, wow. You know, I think that you could have planned the episode better uh, to go from the depressing and solemn to the the, the jovial, um, but then somehow we let it get back. <laughs> then again, hey, if people are going to actually listen to this uh, before... Um, Midnight. It'll still be nine eleven, and it's a good time to be reflective and solemn. So that is true. There Unfortunately, people actually won't be listening to it before midnight. I'm, I'm not planning on posting this until we are recording on nine eleven Tuesday. Uh, this is actually going to go up on uh, Wednesday. I have. I actually I'm completely do. out of context. Yeah, <laughs> but but just so people people understand what's going on here. Um, what happened is that Nathan is now bigger than ever. You know, he's, he's, I'm in he's demand. too big for his britches. He's too big for us. Yeah, he's the man. Oh, man. And, and now, uh, yeah, he's got all these teachers groveling for time, and, and uh, you know, he's got all these bribes he's got to coordinate. <laughs> Can't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing, man. <laughs> all right, man. I got I to gotta bounce, man. It's time to watch Better Call Saul. Oh, nice, nice. All right, dude. Well, thanks for uh, popping in on this. Uh, I'm looking forward. Did we um, did we finalize the uh, KJV guy for next week? Haven't heard back from him, but I did apologize and asked him to uh, uh, reschedule. So I think it'll be next week sometime. All Hopefully right. we can make that work. All right, sweetness. So, yeah, we're going to... Um, Go ahead. Actually, yeah, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.